Welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and each week on this podcast, I talk to some of the most fascinating people on the planet in all areas of life, from mindset to fitness to spirituality, and of course, business. Look, I believe you deserve success in all the areas of your life, not only business. But before we get into today's show, you may want to join us on our next Work Hard, Play Hard experience. This year, we're going to be going to Mykonos and Marrakesh. In these experiences, I have hand-selected a group of high-performing business people who are seeking more balance, connection, and they want to celebrate their wins as a reward for the hard work that they put in. If you want someone to curate once-in-a-lifetime experiences and force you to play more, rush over to workhardplayhardexperience.com. Fill out an application so we can jump on a discovery call to see if this is a good fit for you. And remember, excuses are over. It's time to live. I just didn't want to collect a paycheck and be in a commission trap and, you know, having to show up every single day to be able to make that money. All right. Well, what are the different vehicles of building wealth that are out there and available for you? So stocks and bonds. I mean, the top three proven historically vehicles are going to be stocks and bonds, businesses, or real estate. Every Sunday, 30 minutes, we carve out time for just the two of us to ask each other three simple questions. And the three questions are, what did I do well this week? What could I have done better? And what do you have coming up this week that I can support you in? What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. Today on the show is Matt Aitchinson. So the reason why I wanted to have Matt on the show is because he has demonstrated his ability to dominate all the areas of his life. And I mean really dominate body, being, balance, business, all of the major areas of, of his life, he has figured out how to do. And it's not, it, it, this is not an easy thing to do because if you put all of your focus into your body, guess what happens to your business? All of your focus into your business, guess what happens to your body? So the ability to gamify, quantify, how you do all of that so that you feel that you can be present in all of these areas is a skill set that Matt possesses. So we dig into how he's done everything in all of those areas I just mentioned. And we also talk real estate and how real estate has been the uh, the linchpin that has created the massive financial success that he has. I mean, he started with small properties and now uh, owns a hotel. So lots Lots to learn here, lots of knowledge bombs, as they say. This is an episode you will absolutely love. So please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Matt Aitchinson. Matt, welcome to the show. Rob, always great to be hanging with you, brother. You know what, man? I am super excited to have you on the show because you are a beast in all the areas of your life from your body. We're going to get into that. Uh, I'm a happily married man, but I got body envy right now. Hey, your business. Real recognized family. is real, my man. <laughs> <laughs> I see you out there too. You know, it's funny if you spot it, you got it, right? That's right. Um, so really, I mean, you're dominating between your body, your business, your family, and I want to figure some of that out. So thank you for taking the time. I know you are a busy guy and you got lots of things happening. So thanks for being here. Oh, dude, it's a pleasure. Okay. So it's very easy to see all the glory in somebody's life, right? All the things I've just mentioned for you looking in from the outside, but rarely do we know the whole story. Right. And I'd love to set that stage uh, and talk about maybe uh, a time where you're probably looking back on now, you know, hindsight being 2020, you're probably sure. looking back on it now um, saying, thank God it happened. But at the time you were like, this is the worst thing in the world. And I want to talk about those, uh, those fun years of high school, right? For you, high school was a challenging time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. And and in your case, um, you wound up, I mean, I, I came close, but you actually pulled the trigger um, getting expelled uh, from high school. <laughs> That's right. Maybe you, can, 
<laughs> Congratulations, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, one um, of my greatest accomplishments. <laughs> well, you know what? In some ways, it, it really was that. Yeah, in some ways, it could be argued that it is the contrast of that situation that yep. was the driver. You know, I grew up in a, you know, you and I did a, a podcast and I grew up in a really shitty environment and that environment made me scrappy. And you had some, you had great parents, I think. Uh, we'll yep. talk about that. But, you know, as a result of that situation, it perhaps may have shaped you. So how did that experience of being expelled in high school, maybe you could tell the story and then tell uh, a little bit about how that has shaped you. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, we all have successes. We all have, you know, the peaks, right. Which are, which are great. They're exciting. Um, they're rewarding, but at the end of the day, my greatest teachers have always been my valleys in life. They've been when I've hit rock bottom, they've been when you're staring at the ceiling, you know, uh, at two o'clock in the morning, wondering, you know, all of the fears and concerns and anxieties that you have and, and the, the stories and the narratives and the conversations that you're kind of faced with are really what have been my greatest teachers. And so getting expelled from high school was really, that was one of my first real hardships in life. And it happened at a young age where I was kind of, you know, forced to face the reality of some real big boy consequences. You know, I'd kind of been getting in trouble and um, it really all started to kind of give a little bit more context as to where this kind of rebellious side had kind of been cultivated was um, my, my dad and my mom got divorced when I was young and and they um, had split. My dad remarried a couple years later to an amazing woman. And um, she was one of these individuals that was the poster woman for do all of these things right in life and you should get this. And I mean, she was healthy. She didn't smoke. She had gone to college, worked her way up through, you know, just great person, all of those things. Right. And then she got diagnosed with cancer on a Saturday and she died on a Tuesday. And Come so on. to me, um, and she was a second mother figure in my life. That was like, well, shit, if she's, you know, they tell you to do all these things right to be successful, happy, fulfilled in life. And that's what you get. Well, why does it, why does it matter what I do? Right. And so that's kind of what led me down this path of exploration in terms of a little bit of rebelliousness. And so that led to me getting expelled from high school. I got into a physical altercation. Um, it was really not the first one. It was just the first one that I'd gotten caught for, uh, at the level of magnitude that had happened. And because there were some broken bones, um, and I was still quote unquote, you know, school property, they basically made an example of me. I got expelled from high school and it was really one of the greatest things that had happened to me because I was a 4.0 student. I was, you know, multiple sport athlete. That ultimately ended up being something that forced me to really, you know, reevaluate everything that was going on in my life. And so having that taken away and what was required for me to get back in and ultimately get that expunged off my record just to be able to go to college, it, you know, it led to some accountability for my actions. And that was a great teacher for me at that point in time, especially as a young man. And it was my audio and all of the things I said to myself and to others, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to go and do that. But my video and how I was actually living my life and how it was playing out in my actions, um, they were completely incongruent. And so from that perspective, you know, I ultimately ended up being a 17-year-old who was forced to really start rethinking and reevaluating who am I? What do I stand for? What do I want to become? And um, and that led me to, you know, kind of making some course corrections. But who would have thought lightning strikes twice and that you'd get in trouble for the same thing? You know, it was a combination of the environment that I was putting myself in and also the people that I was surrounding myself with. And I know we all know those, you know, kind of cliched statements of you are the sum of who you spend the most time with and blah, 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 blah. And for me, I ended up, you know, really being a, a true case study and example of that. I was hanging around people. We were drinking, smoking, getting in fights, doing drugs. And, you know, ultimately, uh, those nine individuals I spent that time with, I became the 10th. And that led me to getting um, actually arrested in college for the exact same thing, a physical altercation. I was drunk. And I remember coming out of my blackout in a jail cell, 
looking to my left and there's this big gnarly, I mean, I think he was like six, eight in biker leathers. And um, I look to my right and there's this uh, Hispanic guy with an XIV, you know, um, MS-13 tattoo all over his face. And that was like my real oh shit moment in life. And I think we all have those. Maybe it's not, you know, waking up out of a blackout in jail for you or, uh, but we all have those moments where you're going, whoa, this is, this is my reality. And there are some real consequences and outcomes that are going to be uh, determined by how I respond to this. And I've always been a big believer in, you know, life is 90%, you know, 10% of, you know, what happens to you, 90% of how you respond to it. And I remember, you know, I had my one phone call. I ended up talking to my dad and he, um, he had this, you know, sobering conversation with me of, I know this isn't who you are. And how you respond in this moment is really going to tell me where you're going to go in life. And we all have big failures. Um, but if all you do is focus on you know, the rear view mirror and everything that's going on behind you, you're going to lose sight of the, the windshield and the vision and, and what's in front of you. And so this is your moment to you know, let this be water under the bridge, but you can control what you do moving forward. And from that day forward, I legitimately said, hey, if God gives me a second chance, I'm not going to waste it. Long story short, those charges ended up getting dropped. And I really was gifted a second chance. I was facing six years in jail. I remember going out. I got a job. The next day I got out of jail, I worked through the remainder of college, the remaining three years of, of my um, college career down in uh, UC Santa Barbara, working for a small business entrepreneur. And that was really my first exposure to someone that was running a business for themselves and the lifestyle and the freedom and the impact and all of the things that go along with this you know, vehicle and bucket and journey of entrepreneurship. And, uh, and that opened up a lot of doors for me. You know, it's interesting when I'm, I'm, I'm getting the, I'm a visual guy. So I'm getting the visual of, you know, this California Matt that's sitting, you know, going to the University of Santa, uh, University of California at Santa Barbara. And when I think about Santa Barbara, I think, of you know, Rob Lowe, Michael Jackson, Oprah yeah. Winfrey, you know, the bougie worlds of celebrity. I don't think of being in jail with a, you know, a tattooed Mexican guy, you know, getting ready to eat your food. Most lunch. people don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, it, it was interesting how these things, you know, set the course of our life. And I, the reason why I started with that story is because there are people who are listening right now who have much less circumstances. They were not in jail. They were not facing six years. They were, they were not, you know, uh, screwing up, you know, to the point where they got expelled or, or then re redoing it again in college and going through the same damn lesson. Yep. But at the same time, they feel like they can't accomplish the things that they want in their life and they're struggling. So, you know, the, the gains that you have made from those college years to where you are now is nothing short of miraculous. And I thought that I'd like to do something a little different um, than I normally do in these interviews. And that is to sort of like pick a few areas of your life because you, you are a guy that, um, from what I can see looking in from the outside, you're a guy that, you know, when you go in on something, you go in. And you either, you're either a hundred percent in that you're not 99, you're either a hundred percent in or, or you're just, you're not. And what I find very interesting about you is that you are as equally in, in finances as you are in your body, as you are in your family. And when I see somebody that is, um, where lightning is striking in multiple areas of their life, there's a formula. And there's a um, there's a procedure yep. for or a system maybe is a better word that you go through to do that. So I want to I want to touch on a few of the big areas that we all struggle with in life and just kind of like dance around them and talk about what you do to dominate uh, in those areas. So let's start with uh, with finances. Um, you're a real estate guy. Yep. Um, you're also a, a, a hotel guy. I think they call them hoteliers, right? Yep. So. Let's start with real estate. How did real estate enter your life? Yeah, so kind of a cool, you know, story in terms of and and I appreciate that. And I, I would like to always, you know, before I respond to that answer, I always like to tell people is for me, we're all money motivated, right? Let's just be honest. Everybody wants to have 
more options and tools and resources in their life to live and do what they want, when they want, how they want. And, you know, money is what, at least in the the world and planet Earth that I know, is what makes it go around, right? And so for me, um, you know, I, I wanted to be somebody that was financially abundant and capable, but I also was exposed and saw a lot of people that were very bankrupt in their health, bankrupt in their relationships with their wife and with their kids. Um, they were just not good people, right? So my intention for behind why I wanted to make money, and a lot of people I think struggle with this in terms of the mindset aspect of it, um, or the financial side of it is, is you've heard some narrative, whether it was from your parents, money doesn't grow on trees, right? Scarcity. Or, oh, that person is greedy. Money is bad, right? We all have these, you know, subconscious thoughts that we get filed away over time that really dictate our relationship and our mindset with money. Um, And for me, I said, I want to have as much money as I can possibly have and create while still having a pure intention behind it. I want freedom and flexibility and security for myself and my family. But I also know because I am a good person and I do have good core values and I would use that money for good, that shit, I deserve more of that so I can go and help more people, make a bigger impact, have a bigger ripple effect. So those individuals can go out and design and create their own rich life as well. And so um, that was always my intention behind you know this entrepreneurial drive and spirit of creating more wealth. Um, in my life. And fortunately, you know, I've got an amazing mom. Um, we actually work together. She's um, kind of my, my COO. She runs not only uh, a lot of my life, but she runs many of my business. So uh, your de- mom, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to make sure I'm tracking. Your mother, the one who passed is your stepmother. Correct. Yep. So, but you still have a close relationship Amazing. with your bio, with your biological mother. Yeah, my mom and my stepmom were always great friends. Always very cordial. A lot of co-parenting Wonderful. going on. So, very Wonderful. fortunate from that perspective. And my mom worked in corporate America for twenty plus years. I mean, about five years ago, we got her out of corporate America and she came um, and started working with me. And it's been amazing. And I'm so fortunate and grateful for her because she's just an absolute killer on many fronts. Um, But she was in corporate America taking me to uh, personal development and real estate investment conferences when I was like 12, 13, 14. So, you know, I'm a big believer in we, just like I said, when I was hanging around nine pot smokers, nine alcohol drinkers, nine people that were partying and fighting, well, I kind of became the 10th big believer and we grow into the environments, we grow into the conversations, we grow into the relationships that we surround ourselves with. And so she exposed me at a very young age to this world of personal development, of wealth building, real estate investment. And so that seed was planted at a young age. Now, it kind of stayed dormant um, throughout high school and college. Um, but when I got re-exposed to kind of this entrepreneurial world through one of my first mentors that I was telling you I worked for in Santa Barbara for uh, the three remaining years of college, I realized that I didn't want to take a job for somebody else. I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to work for myself. And you know, I, st- I made this hit list. And I always tell people is, you know, create a hit list of all of the things you want out of a career. And for me, I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted the freedom and flexibility. I still wanted to, you know, help people achieve their goals. Um, I wanted to make an impact and a difference. At the same time, though, I didn't want to just have something that I made an income from. I wanted to be in a space that allowed me to build wealth at the same time. And so as I started looking at all the different opportunities that were out there, I kept coming back to real estate. So kind of funny how I got and fell into real estate was, um, you know, I had this expensive piece of paper after graduating, I'd moved back home, was living at home, had no job, no money. And I was interviewing, you know, for $30,000 to $40,000 a year jobs. And I was like, this isn't going to help me achieve what I want to achieve. Because I was clear on what I wanted to achieve. And I ended up going on Craigslist one day and it was mentor seeks mentee for real estate investment, um, you know, support. I ended up calling the ad, you know, it was basically one of these things where come work for me for free. I'll teach you everything I know. And this was back in 2010 when foreclosures were everywhere. You could sneeze and come across a great opportunity, make $50,000 after the big financial crisis. So I ended up working for this guy for about 10 months um, for free. 
And we had flipped a significant amount of houses. And I basically learned everything from A to Z on what to do, what not to do. And ultimately, that gave me the confidence to go, I can go out and do this for myself. He was clipping $50,000 checks three, four times a week on houses that we were flipping. I was making nothing, but I gained that wisdom, that experience, and most importantly, the confidence to then go, I think I can do this for myself. And that led me to my first um, real estate investment flip. I ended up uh, buying it for $75,000. I put about $35,000 into it and I sold it three and a half months later for uh, $226,000. And so um, I did that while still living at home with none of my own money, with no experience. But I have always been this believer in, and I tell this to people, you know, When you're first starting out, you really have to be dumb enough to believe in yourself and smart enough to just take the daily actions that are going to get you in a position to win. You don't need to be the smartest. You don't need to be the fastest. You don't need to be the strongest. But if you believe in yourself and you surround yourself with the people who can fill some of those gaps or you know shore up some of those weaknesses that you have, you're going to at least give yourself the best chance to get in the game. And I've always wanted to be in the game. And so, yes, I still have all the same fears that many other people have when they're first starting out, whether it's in real estate, whether it's in any career or any other job, right? Of, oh, I don't have the experience. I don't have the wisdom. What if I mess up? How am I going to put the money together, right? But I've always been a believer of just be dumb enough to believe in your vision and that you will find a way to do it and smart enough to just take the daily actions, big or small, that are eventually going to put you in a position to capitalize on that opportunity. And so that was my first one, I netted over $106,000, 21 years old. You know, I didn't have barely $1,000 in my savings account before that, had never purchased a house in my life, but I was dumb enough to believe in myself and smart enough to execute. And that then led to, you know, over the course of the last, you know, 12 years of my real estate investing career, flipping hundreds of houses. Um, but then I realized that I really had this passion for real estate investment. I just didn't want to collect a paycheck. And being a commission trap and you know having to show up every single day to be able to make that money, which I call vertical income, I wanted to find opportunities that were more what we call the horizontal buckets of income, which is passive income, the mailbox money, right? The real freedom creators. And so that led me to then starting to buy single family houses. And then I transitioned more into buying commercial retail strip centers. And then I bought a hotel. We've done syndications in apartments buildings, own laundromats, all kinds of different things. But those are the things that I get to wake up and go, oh, wow, I made some money today, but I didn't necessarily have to show up and bust my butt for that. And so always looking for those passive income opportunities and you know, continuing to add in terms of you know, wealth building assets. Um, and there's so many different ancillary benefits to real estate. And I'm sure we could talk you know, forever on those things. But that is ultimately, right? It started with working for somebody for free for almost a year right? And soaking up as much of that knowledge and resources. And that's why I'm a big believer in mentors. They're one of the greatest life and business hacks that is out there and available to anyone today. No, they don't. It's such an interesting conversation because when you think about the amount of effort that we have to put into things, very often when we say yes to one thing, we have to say no to something else, right? Right. And so you think about the amount of effort and time and the bandwidth that's associated with, you know, I talked about at the beginning, you know, that you've got all these areas of your life that you're putting momentum in, whether it's your body or your family, et cetera. So there's, you know, you got 24 hours in the day, you're sleeping eight of them, you got 16 hours. So what you're doing by now focusing on the mailbox money stuff, you are freeing up a massive amount of your time. And now you're sort of stepping into, you know, my work hard, play hard worlds, because really what I want to be doing And I think a lot of people who listen to this show, they want to have the income coming in so they can play as much as they want and they want to work on projects that they're excited about. So if you, you know, if you had to start again from zero today and, you know, you're at a stage in your life or or you're starting to move, a lot of people listening to this are probably at a stage in their life now where they're, you know, they're, they're just want to they want to enjoy it more that, you know, this year has taught them with COVID and, right. and riots and, and, uh, 
just everything, storm in the Capitol, everything that we've been through, that tomorrow is not promised. And we really need to live a life that we're, that we're passionate about. And to do that, I don't want to be working all the time. Yep. You know, I want to have automation coming in. What has been, and then we'll, we'll get off finances. What, what has been, uh, if you, well, maybe I can ask it this way. What would you recommend for somebody who's looking for automated income to come in that has been, I don't want to use the word easiest because that's not fair, but what has been the, the one that has come in for you that it's like, you know, owning a laundromat is not sexy, you know, it like, I don't hang out in there, but I, but I pick up the quarters and I, I you know, it, it helps me. What yeah. has been the thing that if somebody's like, I just, you know, like I want to ease, I want to take my foot off the brakes and I, I want to, you know, I just want to have some money coming in. Where, where, where can I put it that's going to help me there? What, what comes to mind for you? Yeah. I mean, there's the, fir- before I share maybe some different vehicles that might be of interest to certain people, I think the one question people have to ask themselves first that might dictate the second part of this answer is what do I want to achieve and by when? Mm-hmm. Is it, 10,000 a month in passive income. Let's use that because that was the number that popped in my head. Right. So let's just say, is it 10,000 a month in passive income? I always like to say it's the the freedom number is whatever your monthly living expenses are, that should be your your first tier threshold of passive income. If you, you know, your monthly burn rate in 10,000 is usually a pretty good conservative, but, you know, safe number for most people of, hey, you know, mortgage, you know, cars you know, my utilities, all of that for our living expenses for the entire month, 10K a month. Great. Cool. So when do you want to achieve that by? Is it two years, five years, 10 years? Then once you're clear on what that number is and what that timeline is, then we can start to kind of back into, all right, well, what are the different vehicles of building wealth that are out there and available for you, stocks and bonds. I mean, the top three proven historically vehicles are going to be stocks and bonds, businesses, or real estate. So those are the vehicles that I would then go, okay, what are all the sub opportunities underneath each one of these verticals? And then I look at, you know, what are you most passionate about, right? What do you feel most experienced in or knowledgeable of or connected in? What resources do you have available in those things? Right. And then from there, right, you can start looking at the financial models behind each of those things. So for example, to give you uh, just kind of a case study, right? I was talking with one of my buddies and his his number was, you know, basically 10,000 as well. And he goes, well, I think I want to do real estate, single family real estate. Okay, great. And so we started kind of breaking down the financial numbers behind a real estate deal that he did. It's netting him about $200 a month in passive income. And he did the Burr model, which is a real estate investment strategy. And I said, okay, well, how many of those can you do per year? And he said, oh, maybe I can do, I can maybe do three or four of those a year. Okay. Well, if those are only kicking off $200 a month and you can only do three or 400 of those a year, how long is it going to get take you to get to that $10,000 a month in passive income number, right? So you have to really kind of understand the economics behind the vehicle that you're investing in. But there are many different ways that you can do these things, whether it's in real estate, I would say, you know, higher density real estate opportunities, more doors under one roof, right? Instead of managing 50 single family homes, what if you just bought one 50 unit apartment building and you understood the economics of that? Now, all of a sudden, hey, I only need to get two of these over the next two years, then you can really build a plan for exactly how you're going to do that. What market makes sense? What's your strategy for finding these opportunities? What do the economics and the financial models look behind them? Then it's just when you're clear on that, a game of execution. Is it laundromats and you want to go and invest with a business syndicator like we've done where we pool investors' money that go, hey, I don't want to be the one managing it and operating it and finding these deals, but I like the returns of them. I like getting a quarterly distribution check. So I'll give you $200,000 and I'm going to get X back in return. Okay, great. Now I just need to go find three more of these types of opportunities. So uh, syndications are a great 
passive vehicle for people to put their money in with tangible hard assets tied to them. We just did a 150-unit apartment building out in Houston, and we raised about $4.5 million for that. And investors are getting dividend checks every single month, right? So there's a lot of different ways that you can go about doing this. And again, if you want it to be active and it's going to be something where you're in the driver's seat and you got both hands on the steering wheel, but you're passionate about it and you're fired up, great. Or if you want it to be passive, right? There's so many different vehicles that are out there. I think it's just getting clear on what is your number? When do you want to achieve that by? And then based on the financial models that are really tied to different investment vehicles and strategies, then you can get a little bit more clear on, okay, what are the breadcrumbs along this path that I need to follow that are going to be stepping stones to help me chip away at these things? But I think people get a little bit... They either romanticize about how quickly they can get there without actually breaking things down or they're unclear and therefore they don't make the best decisions investing-wise that are actually aligned with getting them there. So that clarity piece is going to be a big part. And then it's going to be who, what, and where am I going to be making these investments in order to chip away at that? Because let's be honest, you know, little... Wealth is built in the crock pot, not not in the microwave. Now I'm a millennial. I pace in front of the microwave. I want something quick, right? But at the end of the day, the best things, whether it's relationships, whether it's investments and wealth, whether it's with your health, it's always made in the crock pot. And so small, smart choices made consistently over an extended period of time create that amazing dish that you then look up and go, wow, this actually turned into something pretty big, right? So it's getting clarity on your plan, right? And what we talked about in terms of the vehicle and the financial model and those kind of things. And then it just becomes a game of execution. If you're clear on what you need to do, right? And you've got your plan and your framework, because I'm a systems guy, I'm a framework guy. If I'm clear on what I know I need to do, I'll execute. If I'm not clear, I'll float wherever the hell the wind takes me, right? So I think that's a big piece that a lot of people are missing. I want to talk about hustle a little bit around this. Um, The older I get, the more I am stepping into the weird world of Mm. woo-woo and spirituality. Oh, yeah. Um, And what's interesting to me about it is... You know, every entrepreneur and most people listening to the show are entrepreneurs. They they go through many stages. You know, yep. they start off as a hustler and then they they move more, you know, more entrepreneur-y, then they move a little more CEO-y, et cetera. Yep. But some of the things that I've accomplished in my life have been because my vision was clear about what I wanted. And my asking the universe for what I wanted was clear. Mm -hmm. My receptiveness to look around and be open to what was presenting itself and unveiling itself before me seems to me to be, as I'm getting older, I could not have had this conversation with my 20-something-year-old self, but seems to me as I'm getting older to be a more efficient way of achieving and manifesting what it is that I want than that Gary V hustle until my eyes bleed out of my head mentality. Yeah. And I'm wondering where you are at this stage of your life and what yep. your thoughts are on that. It's um it's a really good question and it's a really important topic, I think, especially for the younger generations. I was at a conference a couple of weeks back and um, one of the speakers said something, somebody asked him on something around life balance, right? And he kind of laughed and he goes, you have no balance until you find balance. And you know, I feel like I've experienced that at many different stages. I think there's seasons and you know, if I'm launching a new product, if I'm tackling a new endeavor, if I just got a, you know, onboarded a new asset, there's going to be a season of hustle. It's just what is required in order to achieve the goal, right? And then there are other times where, you know, systems are streamlined, people are plugged in, leverage is created, and you're like, wow, this is this is easy and this is effortless. And so I think it really depends on what are the goals that you're tackling. I work in 90-day sprints and some of my 90-day sprints, 
you know, I find a lot of flow and I find a lot of ease um, in what I'm doing. And other 90 day sprints feel like I'm working 90 or 100 hours, you know, a week and there still is more to be done. And so I think it really just depends on what is the elephant that's in front of you at that point in time? And just being honest with yourself of what that looks like and what is going to be required. I always ask myself, it's like, what is it going to require in order to achieve this outcome? I just finished the 75 hard challenge. You know, that was a little bit of a season of hustle for me, but I also found some balance as I worked through that framework and that system. I'm a big believer in awareness. And you talked about kind of spirituality and flow. And you know that's been a journey that I've been on the last 10, 12 years myself. And I've done ayahuasca retreats and I've done psychedelics and I've done yoga retreats. I've done all kinds of things. And um, I think it's different for, for everyone, but there should always be the question of how do I achieve what I want to achieve without sacrificing the things and the priorities and most importantly, the people that I tell myself I'm doing this for in the first place. And I know a lot of people that call themselves family men or family women and they're business owners, but really they're businessmen and business women with families. And I never wanted to be that person. So for me, I'm very clear on what my priorities are and my calendar always reflects that. Now, if there is a time or a quote unquote season of hustle that I know is going to require more of me or certain things may be getting sacrificed, most importantly, I'll be having and addressing the conversations with the people that it may impact the most. Um, and most importantly, you know, getting that permission and buy-in from the people that I need to have it with in order for me to feel like I'm not falling out of alignment with my core values. If I say my time with my daughters and my wife is the most important thing, right? And there's going to be something that impacts them or our lifestyle, then I'm going to make sure that if there is going to be any kind of sacrifice that they've given me that permission to do so, because I don't want to carry that guilt or shame or frustration into the other things that I'm doing. Because at the end of the day, those when those relationships are good for me, everything else is a lot better in how I show up with work and how I show up with my health and how I show up with my family, with my friends, with my employees, things along those lines. So I think you know there will be certain times of your life that will require you to hustle. I mean, when I was first starting and launching some of my businesses, I was working 90, 100 hours a week. And that was kind of what was required in order to build that momentum and get to that next stage. And then from there, it was like, okay, I got a little bit of revenue here. Well, let's lead with revenue and let's bring another piece of leverage in. I got standard operating procedures. Let me hire my first assistant. Right. And that was a game changer for me. And then it was okay, as this org chart gets built out, who's the next piece of leverage? Right. And that's how you scale. You and I, Rob, are not scalable. Every human being is not scalable. We all, as at least as far as I know, only have 24 hours in the day. Right. So how do you scale? Well, you scale through systems and you scale through people. And those are things that I try and be intentional about in terms of how do I create more efficiencies and streamline through systems and through quality relationships and people to create more balance in my life. And when it's required for me to step in and hustle, I will. But at the end of the day, this um, this badge of honor that I think a lot of people wear in terms of hustle, well, you just own a glorified job working for yourself. You don't actually own a business that has created real freedom for yourself. And that's okay, right? If you're a solopreneur or an entrepreneur and you're working in your business and you want to do that for 30 years and that's your business model, that's fine. But just know the difference between owning a real business that you can step away from for three months at a time and revenue goes up and your culture is even stronger when you come back, that's a real business, right? So, you know... The, the hustle aspect of it and hoarding responsibilities and duties, which I see a lot of entrepreneurs do, they don't allow themselves to get out of that hustle because they think it really is the path that they have to be on. And it's a part of their DNA that they and their identity that they can't shed. And when you look at some of the greatest entrepreneurs and leaders and business owners of our time and that we probably admire and respect 
they aren't those hustle porn type of entrepreneurs that always are hustling 24-7, 365, sleeping on the floor, eating chicken nuggets, right? And sacrificing time with their kids and their wife just to go out and succeed. So I think it's a conversation that is very important. It's a narrative that I think a lot of people think is, is something that um, is the only way to succeed. And, and it's, it's just not. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, I, um, as you know, I do these events with all these pictures behind me around the world uh, where I take people who, you know, like yourself, who are just entrepreneurs that they love what they do. They could do it all day long. And they largely ignore other areas of their life, like, like experiencing different places around yep. the world, et cetera. We're not one dimensional, we're multi-dimensional. And sometimes we dominate in, you know, we, we use, you know, we go to the gym and we only do chest because we're good <laughs> at it. Yeah, right. <laughs> we don't, we don't want to work legs. No leg it's, day. Not as, it's not as much fun, right? That's the day where you're on Facebook at the gym more, right? Yep. So um, I want to talk about uh, one of the things that you mentioned a moment ago, which is, uh, which is family. And you're, uh, you have two daughters, Mary and Ella, right? And your wife is Evelyn? Uh, my, my wife is Marie. My daughters are uh, Evelyn and Ella. Yep. Close. Okay. Yep. So I had, you marry, I had you marry one of your children. <laughs> How are you able... There's two parts of this. One is your children, mm-hmm. where you are a dad that you are proud of and a dad uh, that you're not going to have guilt or regret but at the same time, you're an entrepreneur and you know, um, you're, a, you're a digital entrepreneur in a lot of ways. So that device is always in your pocket. Yep. That laptop is always on your desk. Mm-hmm. And you know, your little girls want to come in and they want to spend time with you. That's one. Yep. Two is your wife. She wants to be romanced. She wants a date. She wants your attention. And of course, your business, which we just talked about, let alone trying to create the 12 pack that you just created, right? <laughs> How are you, what systems do you have in place? And I, and I don't, I'm not trying to take the, the, I'm not trying to put systems in the world of romance and I'm not trying to put a system in the world of being a dad because those things should come naturally to you. But if you have a framework in which to operate that where the system is set up in such a way that you know that you won the game. So a lot of times people don't know whether, like, how do I win the game of marriage? How do I win the game of being a dad? Like, how do you figure out the win? It's only, it's arbitrary, right? It's how you decided to be. So what's the framework that you've set up for taking care of that area of romance and taking care of that area of of being a dad? Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's a moving target, right? And... Uh, based on the seasons of life, you know, what is required in order for those buckets to be full or areas to be thriving, it, it changes. I'm a big believer in, like you said, systems and frameworks. You know, it was funny. I've got a planner that I created called the Rich Life Planner. And um, there is a, a section of daily habits. And one of my sections of daily habits is 30 minutes of uninterrupted time with my wife and kissing my wife and daughters. And people were like, dude, you have to put that on your planner to remind yourself to do that. And I said, yes, I do. Unfortunately, I do. But by making that um, a top priority and keeping the awareness up around that aspect of my life, it has to be my schedule. And they're like, wow, like that's kind of crazy, right? And now I know it's different for everybody, but for me... There's a couple different frameworks that we've incorporated into our marriage, as well as with our daughters, that um, I believe has helped in a very significant way. And you know, every marriage goes through stale seasons. Uh, you know, raising young kids, right? A lot of energy and attention shifts away from the marriage and the romance over to the kids, right? And so it's okay. This ain't working. How do we? course correct and you know retweak and reoptimize the things based on the outcomes that we want. We want to make love and we want to be emotionally connected. We want to be having fun and adventurous without our kids, vice versa, you know, as a family and with our kids, also individually with each kid, right? Um, so I'm just feeling very lucky and fortunate and blessed that I was exposed through masterminds like yours and other groups that I've been a part of that um, have given me 
color to all the different ways that it can be done. And based on what I want to pull and implement into my life and what's needed in those relationships, I've been very fortunate. So there's one thing that has been a staple for Marie and I in terms of our marriage. And um, this is something I've been able to share with people that have been married for 20, 30 years. And they said it's completely changed and transformed their marriages with their wives or with their husbands. And we call it the relationship recharge. Every Sunday, 30 minutes, we carve out time for just the two of us to ask each other three simple questions. And the three questions are, what did I do well this week? What could I have done better? And what do you have coming up this week that I can support you in? And instead of me assuming where I crushed it this week as a husband, instead of me assuming where I could improve and do a little bit better, or me assuming what my wife is going to need coming up this week, I hear it directly out of her mouth. And Mm. vice versa, she hears it directly out of my mouth. And it creates this amazing space and dialogue for us to engage. And I thought I crushed it in this. And she actually was more happy that I did that. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll do more of that moving forward. I didn't think I really messed up at all. But no, you were a jerk. Or you said this to me. Or you didn't help with the dishes when I asked you. Or I asked you a simple thing to do, blah, 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 blah. And you didn't do it. And so that has really created a very cool space for growth for us as well well as helping me understand like, man, I'm, I'm winning over here. Let me double down on that. And vice versa, I ask those three questions to my children every single Sunday oh, as well. Really? What really? did daddy Your do well this too. week? What did daddy do Ooh. well this week? What would you like daddy to do more of with you? And what do you got to do? What do you have coming up this week that you're excited about that I can help you with? And it's amazing. Where we might think, and you know, one of my favorite quotes is love is spelled T-I-M-E. And there's this conversation around quality time, quantity time, and both together. And sometimes we think that we need to be physically present in order to give our children what they need. And sometimes that is the truth, right? Like you got to be in proximity to your kids. But if you're on your phone and you're not engaged with them and you're not spending time with them and you're sitting on the couch eating Cheetos and that's the example that you're... You're not really spending quality time with your kids. Maybe there's quantity there, but it's not impactful whatsoever. Vice versa. Matt, I'm going to interrupt you a second. Tell me, me, um, what are some things that were reoccurring give me one or give me give me one for your wife and one for your children that were reoccurring things where they kept saying to you i just want you to and you're like fuck i keep i'm fail every week i keep failing at this <laughs> i'm holding it for those that aren't watching this i'm holding up my phone do you know what can i tell you something um Last night we did family movie night. My daughter said to me, um, is there any way that you guys can put your, she's six. Is there any way that you guys can plug your phones in and not bring them into the living room? Mm. So this is a, this is a reoccurring parents who are listening. This is a reoccurring challenge. Okay. Yeah. It's it's a a big challenge. So that, what about your, what about your wife? uh, Same thing, you know, it's, um, and I, and I have trouble shutting things off, right? For me, it's more so um, I'm there and I'm literally staring my wife in the eyes and she's talking to me. And five minutes later, she asked me what we just talked about and I can't recite one word that she said. So that is something that I struggle with, right? Is like, I'm <laughs> Listen, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't make it out of this morning without struggling for that. <laughs> she's like, she got up and she was going to yoga this morning. I said, where are you going? She goes, oh my God. How many times Times have I told you you? (laughs) that on Friday morning, I have yoga this week? Like, why are you not, like, what is going? Yeah. How can you not, like, so, okay, listening. All right, perfect. All right. So as we, as we wrap up here, I want to get one more, uh, one more quick one in with you. And that is um, your body. So you clearly are a guy who works out and you train. You just recently did a uh, a challenge. Were you already in shape and then you just got in crazy shape or talk to me about that. Yeah. I mean, I've, um, you know, for me, health and fitness, when people say, what is your lead domino that if, if that is not going well, a lot of other things aren't going well. And there's really two lead dominoes for me. If my relationship, my, my axes of my world spins around my wife, when we're great, so many other areas of my life are great. When we're off, 
and things aren't good, I carry that with me into other areas of my life. The second piece is, is has always been lead domino wise, my health. If I'm in the gym seven days a week, that is kind of my sanctuary. That is my retreat. That is um, where I get my emotional, spiritual, and of course, physical recharge. Because um, physically, I love to challenge and stress my body and myself and, and see what I'm capable of. But there's also this mental sharpening of the axe that happens every day when I'm in the gym or when I'm in the pool swimming or when I'm running or riding my bike. So I love to physically challenge myself in those ways because naturally I'm mentally challenged. And when I'm doing that consistently, it just carries into every other garden of my life. So I always like to encourage people, you know, find something and they're like, I can't get to the gym seven days a week. Okay, what can you do seven days a week? Is that literally just going for a 30 minute walk around your neighborhood every single week and you get to have, or every single day and you get to have that win that you carry with you through every aspect of every other part of your day or life? Great. Find something that you know you can commit to at a bare minimum of 30 minutes a day. And for me, I always you know, look at when I'm feeling my best, I'm feeling my sharpest, I'm feeling that beast and that inner fire and drive. It's always when I'm working out hard, right? And I'm challenging myself physically. So that's always been, I grew up playing sports and things like that. Uh, so those are things that have just kind of become a part of my identity and my DNA. But when that is off, so many other aspects of my life are off. So I always like to identify, you know, that lead domino, my physical health, because let's be honest, guys, if you don't have your physical health, life is going to be a whole lot more challenging uh, than it has to be versus all of the amazing benefits that you gain through physical commitment to your health. And it's not just the physique and how you look, right? I know a lot of people that have amazing metabolisms and have a six pack, but they eat like crap. They eat tons of sugar, high yeah. carbs. They're unhealthy on the inside. So, you know, there's a lot of different aspects to what, you know, we could talk about in terms of health, but absolutely it's the lead domino of my life. And if I'm, you know, not making that a priority, I know I'm off and I feel that I'm off. Well, brother, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to do this with me today. It was every bit as amazing as I thought it was going to be. I could talk to you for hours. We Same, are brother. Uh, we're preaching to the choir here for sure. So um, I will link everything up, all of your 10 billion different things that you're doing <laughs> from your from your hotels to your, your planner and to your real estate and to your, 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 your uh, 17 packs or up to 17 pack abs now. Um, so everybody can uh, follow you. You're, uh, you're a great YouTuber too. Um, so they can Thank follow you, you there. I, I, I honestly don't know when you sleep and I, and I don't believe you that you're having time to have sex with your wife because there's no <laughs> No way oh, we make that time. you can. We, there's, there's, it's impossible because I've seen the output of work that you do, uh, but I'm going to link everything up uh, in the show notes. So thank you for taking the time. Uh, Rob, appreciate you, man, and what you do and the impact you make for so many people. Grateful to, to call you a friend and a mentor and, and continue learning right alongside you, brother. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live. <laughs>